I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. to Flop Culture, a podcast where I speak to an esteemed guest about a flop they find interesting, confounding, and that's potentially not a flop at all. I'm your host, Fanula. I hope you're well. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode on Scream Queens with Kim McCarthy. He will be back on Patreon this month to discuss the Celebration Tour, the Madonna Tour. We went together and we were supposed to record in the airport, but I was so tired that I actually did not speak to him. So sorry about that, Kim, but... You will get it soon, I promise. If you want to join us over there, it's patreon.com forward slash flop culture. And of course, if you want to keep up with us on social media, it's at flop culture underscore pod. Keep your ratings coming in. I love to see them. Ratings and reviewings, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Five stars preferable. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave your nickname, I will recommend a bop or flop to you at the end of next week's episode. We've got a big episode coming up a big franchise to dig into with a beloved guest but before we get into any of that I think there's some news to cover Jacob Alordi star of the upcoming Sofia Coppola Elvis biopic kind of technically Priscilla biopic but anyway he's playing Elvis in that biopic uh, says he only knew about Elvis from Lilo and Stitch before starring in Priscilla A perfect sentence? A perfect headline? Yes. 100%. The most I knew of Elvis Presley was in Lilo and Stitch. Uh, He confessed to Jimmy Fallon on Monday's episode of The Tonight Show, which is a lot. It is, because Lilo's, if anyone's unfamiliar with the plot of Lilo and Stitch, an alien... Am I familiar with the plot of Lilo and Stitch? It's been a while since I watched it. A spaceship 
oh no, these people from space come to get this experiment that they've made in space, 626, who ends up being Stitch, and they have to come back and rescue him. But in the meantime, Lilo has found this experiment, 626, and adopted him and it kind of has become her friend slash dog. But Lilo is not like other girls, hashtag not like other girls. And she's really into Elvis. Constantly playing his records, ends up dressing Stitch up as Elvis, you know, stuff like that. Very endearing. So obviously all these headlines come out and the headlines come out with, you know, your collage picture of Jacob Elordi next to an image of Stitch dressed up as Elvis. So I'm seeing these. And again, I'm seeing the images before I'm reading, before I'm engaging my brain. And I'm going, oh, he's been cast in the live action. This six foot five man is going to play a presumably two foot dog alien in the live action perfect he's gonna go method he's gonna paint himself blue he's gonna learn alien language there's a man that's committed to his craft I am absolutely obsessed with this and if it doesn't happen I'm gonna be annoyed especially I wasn't the only one that thought this so I need whoever is involved in the Lilo and Stitch live action to stop what they're doing with the CGI and the computers and pressing the mouse and clicking the buttons right we don't need to do that we actually don't need technology. This is one of the few instances where, you know what, let's go back to the old days and let's just, let's let people act. You know what I mean? I want to see Jacob already go method. I want him to go like Austin Butler lengths, the way that Austin Butler did for the Baz Luhrmann Elvis. But instead, Jacob already is going method to play Stitch and he's trying to do the voice and he, then he is doing every interview in the Stitch voice, which I'm not even sure I can do. I was trying to practice before I started recording. Oh, nah, no, terrible, 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 terrible. Adam's probably going to keep that in. I used to be so good at it. Oh, no. Okay, I'm just going to stop. Anyway, you can, you can Google it if you can't remember what Stitch sounds like. But yeah, I can't wait. Please, Lilo and Stitch Live Action people, listen to me. This is what the people want. And by the people, I mean me. Okay, from one freaky horror show to another, it's our final Halloween horror spooky themed flop. And we're in the Blair Witch Project burst onto the scene in 1999, redefining the horror genre with its groundbreaking found footage style. It was an overnight sensation, a pioneer of viral marketing and a true game changer in the world of cinema. The franchise quickly spiralled, however, into a tangled web of questionable sequels, diminishing returns and a muddled mythology. How did this innovative and terrifying concept lose its way so spectacularly? Joining me to discuss the Blair Witch franchise, including its ill-fated sequels, is writer, host of No Encore, and audio researcher at the Irish Independent, Dave Hanrady. Dave Hanrady, you're back. Seasons, greetings to you, my friend. Happy, it's not Halloween yet, but it is October. So happy spooky season to you and yours. And to you, yeah. I'm scared already. I was saying to you that there I'm appears petrified. to be, but there appears to be a pentagram on the door. Stop now. Oh, I don't know who put that it's there. It's right to your right. I'm put, I'm, and I'm filing a complaint with Adam who owns this building yeah. and has been very quiet about the whole thing. I want to stay on theme. Okay. On team yeah. Can you ensure that's gone the next time I'm back? Yeah, for please. <laughs> We're never making it out of this room. Um, how are you? I'm Thanks good. for coming back again. Yeah, I'm good. I got a tooth removed recently, and I'm worried that I sound different. I'd certainly feel different, but I think it's in keeping with the overall horrible Halloween theme that we're going. I'm good. How's in life? A way, how are, yeah, how are you? Slight, life is life is good. I couldn't uh, have thought of a better person for this spooky season of flops that we're doing. Tell us about what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, first of all, honoured to be back. Thanks very much. An honour to talk about this subject. We're going to talk about the Blair Witch 
franchise. I know you said the Blair Witch Project. That's the first one, of course, in this kind of weird, uh, I'd say unassailable and messy franchise of media. But the original back in 1999 was, uh, it's the benchmark, I think, in many respects for a lot of horror, uh, certainly independent horror filmmaking. And the impact it had on pop culture is gigantic. And we will talk about that. But of course, uh, this is flop culture. And so we got to pick a bad thing or a thing that did not work. And so the sequels, they've tried to make sequels to this movie. And uh, boy, oh boy, (laughs) did they break my horror heart when they came along at different times. I had no idea that there were two sequels and one as contemporary as the 2016 one, which we'll obviously obviously talk about in a bit more depth later on. So to learn that, I was like, I feel like this came and went without a moment's whisper. People were over this. People were like, no more sequels, no more reboots, please. Let's stick with what we know. Yeah, arguably the third worst thing to happen in 2016 after the election of Donald Trump to the US presidency <laughs> and Brexit being finalised. I was going to ask what the second thing was. Yeah, a no, lot of celebrities died as well. That was Oh right. yeah, that was the year when everyone, yeah, Alan Rickman, Leonard, Leonard Cohen, Prince, Bowie and various others. Yeah, and everyone was like, it's some kind of curse. And I'm like, no, there's just more famous people now than there were yeah. in years gone by and it's a yeah. weird series of coincidences. Uh, maybe the Blair Witch did it. I don't maybe know. Maybe the Blair Witch did it. I came don't know. calling for David Bowie's musical prowess. <laughs> when did the Blair Witch come calling for you first? What's your earliest memory of this franchise? Beautiful question. What a link. That was stunning. Sorry <laughs> now to shag my own hole. That was because I'm usually so bad at them. That was great. She's a star, everybody. Um, I'm glad you asked because uh, as previously discussed on the Colin Farrell episode, I am that little bit older than you are. Mm-hmm. And again, to reiterate, I don't mean that in any kind of head padding way. I envy your youth. It's more that, you know, when the Blair Blair Witch came calling was when the film came calling. I was four when the first Blair Witch came out, so I did not watch it upon its release. I was, uh, to say. <laughs> I was 15. And so, um, 1999, everybody, what a year for pop culture. It remains undefeated, if you ask me. Just the greatest in music and movies and TV and all that kind of stuff. And it was a more innocent time. Um, I remember first hearing about this movie, my brother, who is eight years older than me, and that'll be important to the story later on. Uh, he went to, well, he went to Australia like two years, I think, prior to that on his first ever big out of house trip. And then he went to America for a six-month holiday. I think it was San Francisco, but I could be wrong. Um, And while he was there, he'd ring home on occasion and he would tell us about the movies he was seeing because, of course, it was that time period when you didn't have universal releases. Like, I mean, you'd have to wait sometimes a full year or six months. Something comes out in America, you see it on, you know, the film show on BBC One or Channel 4 or something, and then you're like, you read about it in Empire Magazine and you're like, I want to see it now, but we have to wait six fucking months. So my brother was telling me about this movie, The Blair Witch Project, when he saw it, because at the time, of course, this thing came kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it's definitely like, you know, an example of marketing and the, the at the time, the World Wide Web, as it was known, being used to an unbelievable degree. But for a lot of people, it just was this independent thing that just happened along with a ton of hype. And my brother got to see it before it even came out here. As a matter of fact, by the time he got back to Ireland, it was only coming out then. So we went to see it again. But um. I was hooked on the idea of this thing and I remember like reading, of all things, Heat magazine. Heat, is that still going? Classic literature, yeah. It yeah. sure is. But Heat magazine, for anyone who doesn't know, when Heat magazine first emerged in the late 90s, it wasn't just, you know, uh, Dua Lipa's got some cellulite, she's just like us, she's a mess. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't always like that. It actually initially conceived itself as a entertainment magazine. And it was trying to be serious about it. It was trying to be like, you know, a little bit of a, you know, edge, I suppose. But mm. but it had, I remember like it had like a four-page spread or something on the Blair Witch Project, including like still images from the movie. And again, like I say, yeah, the internet was a thing, but it wasn't the way it is today. You couldn't just go onto YouTube and like dial up a trailer. If you wanted to see a trailer for this movie, there was a website, but depending on your, you know, 
dial-up internet connection, you could be waiting three hours to see mm. this 60-second trailer. So it was physical media was tied into it, and there was all this buzz building. And yeah, I mean, like, when I finally got to see it, it was appropriately enough around kind of Halloween-ish time when it hit the cinemas. Shall I tell that story? Absolutely, please do. So um, the Bio Rich Project, for anyone who somehow doesn't know, and I think you were new to it. I had never watched it before this. and I've, But obviously, hugely familiar. I've seen all the references, parodies to a degree. Watched it for the first time for this. Found it quite scary, which a lot of people said I wouldn't when I told them I was doing this because obviously I knew the references. Found footage, is that such a thing now? But I genuinely... The end of it is so unnerving, but yeah. it's so simple. It is, yeah. Um, Adam, can we have the trailer, please, for the original Blair Witch Project from 1999? This is my home, which I am leaving the comforts of for the weekend to explore the Blair Witch. I can see you. I'm really excited about this. Thank you for I'm the opportunity. I'm very glad. This area's been haunted by that old woman for oh, years. Yeah. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video. Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. We're I don't. lost. Admit that first. No, I know we're not lost. They're all over the place. But how do we know it was people? Well, even if it wasn't, I'm not going to play with that either. And it's all because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry. And cold. And hunted. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. Tell me where you are, Josh! So yeah, um, it is about a what was purported, you know, was sold as this like fan footage thing. And fan footage, you know, like it didn't give birth to the genre of fan footage, but it certainly brought it back and made it mainstream and popularized it. You have to go God, all the way back to like the 70s, I think. I mean, like Cannibal Holocaust is kind of regarded as the first big one, but there was one before that as well, but it wasn't a genre. And like, it's, it's as it sounds, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's about, you know, this like paranormal activity and kind of like uh, the VHS movies of recent years are kind of done in that style where it's like footage was found and we've stitched it together and it's all, you know, handheld camera and looks terrible and, you know, but there's a real quote unquote, you know, thing underneath the surface that lends it a certain level of, you know, fuck, did this really happen? To some audiences, maybe. And there were a lot of audiences who thought that this film, The Blair Witch Project, was in fact real. The marketing campaign, apart from there was a website, basically, you could go to, which had, you know, like a documentary on it. Like, they made a, they made a mock documentary. Uh, a mockumentary, if you will, and which basically was like, um, you know, the legend of, you know, this local serial killer, the legend of this local witch. And some of the people at, like, film festivals, when the film was going to screen, would be handing out missing like like missing posters of the three leads in this movie uh heather donahue joshua leonard and michael god what is his name uh it'll come to me i'm sorry to the third member of the player which is the least williams i think um but like basically like you know people you know on the street were like what like oh this is a this is a real thing like like this is how it sold to us it is michael williams and it's you know um not the case of course you know and like the actors were on talk shows and you know there was interviews with the directors who put this together and you know it, you know if you if you didn't if you looked even a little bit hard you would see that this was clearly just a very well masked thing but of course there were people out there who thought it was completely real mm. and that they were watching a snuff film essentially so um, to bring it back to my own experience of this, I recall going to see this in Drogheda, where I'm from. And Shout in, out Drogheda. Ah. <laughs> Shout out the floppy disks in Drogheda. 
Sure. Shout out a, a town that I have outgrown. Um, and basically it was like fucking... Went to the local cinema. I think it was like screen four in the Boyne Omniplex. So not exactly the greatest of, you know places to see it but it's not a great looking movie so it was me my very eager brother who of course had seen it in america and i remember him saying that when he saw it in the states he left the cinema and the very first thing that he saw across the street at night was woods and he was just like no no thank you he also had a run-in i think with his like landlady uh, about a week later and she said that she saw the movie and he was kind of like oh cool i have something to talk to her about what did you think of it and she was like oh it was great yeah i thought it was awesome but you know me and my husband are going to go out there next year and find out what really happened because people were doing that. People were actually like, you know, going to the woods and ruining the experience for people who actually live there to find these missing kids. Oh so gosh. myself and my brother, I was 15, he was 23, and my sister came as well. She was 25. We went to see the Blair Witch Project on a Sunday evening at around oh, 6 or 7 p.m., I think. And it's not a very long movie. It's about 90 minutes, I think. And a good hour 20 or hour, yeah. hour 25. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Perfection. The, the greatest of run times yeah. ever. We went to see it in the cinema and, you know, like it's going on. And, and I think it's interesting because like you said the people said to you that you're not going to find it scary. A few people did. I remember when I said to them, they were like, it's going to be lost on you now because so as I said, has passed, yeah. yeah, already knew it. Found footage is such a thing that like my Blair Witch was probably paranormal activity. You know what I mean? That's my equivalent. But still, fuck me. Like, it's just... Yeah. My Blair Witch was Ellie Kedward, baby. Um, so, uh, I'm glad that you feel that way. And we can. I'm very much looking forward to you giving me the detail of you approaching it in 2023. But even then, there were people who were like, nothing happens. Like, it's boring. Nothing happens. You don't see anything. And- I was kind of initially struggling. Yeah. But I knew the payoff would be Payoff's amazing. good. And it's when you kind of think back on it... It's breadcrumbed slightly in some things, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah, I was kind of getting a bit antsy. And then obviously things are happening and you're like, surely this isn't going to be as scary as you think it is. And then it just is. Like yeah. they, they nailed the landing. Like Completely, yeah, to this day. And so we went to see it in the cinema and like, and I could tell that there were people in the in the audience who were who were finding it boring and were like, you know, where, where are the jump scares? Where are the traditional conventional means of horror? Like it's just, this is just badly shot footage of people walking around woods. Like nothing's really occurring. But I was really enraptured by it. Um, my brother was very happy because he'd seen it already and he was, you know, enjoying seeing it again. But my sister was really struggling. And there was a couple of times, like, in the first little half of it where she was kind of turning to my brother and being like, I'm, I'm really not, I, I really don't like this. I I'm not vibing with this. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I think, I, I don't know if I can kind of see it through. In the sense she was bored or? I think it was uncomfortable. Okay. Just found it uncomfortable for whatever reason. And then at one point towards the end, and my brother was trying to be like, no, no, he's like, like, trust me, like, it's, it's, worth, it's worth seeing you through. And then, of course, towards the end of the movie, spoilers for this movie, um, they find a house. And I remember this vividly at that exact moment when they found the house. That's when my sister turned to my brother and said, I have to leave. I can't. I, 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 I really can't. I can't. And he was like, it's almost over. It's almost over. The cruelest thing of all time. He, he kept her in the cinema. And so the ending happens and it's the most terrifying ending ever. And we walked home and my sister, 25 years of age, was crying hysterically on the, on the walk home. I, however, a cool young lad of 15 was like, it didn't scare me, mate. <laughs> I'm tough as nails. And I was fine. I was like, I thought that was really interesting and good. And I think I liked it quite a bit. And I went home. I was playing like my computer or whatever. The night rolled on. Uh, eventually, my brother, my brother and I shared a room. And mm-hmm. eventually my brother like knocks on the door at like say half 11 or something. And I'm completely fine. I'm listening to like, you know, the FM 104 phone show. And I'm playing like a championship manager or something. And life is good. And my brother's like, um, I'm going to bed now. And I was like, all right. And then he was like, you don't want to be the last one up though, do you? And I went, uh. <laughs> and then I was like, 
<laughs> I basically was like, like, he was inside like watching like fucking Caligula or something. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, and so like I immediately raced upstairs and the two of us, uh, you know, we'd bunk beds or whatever. Like, you know, so I, I was like, I realized uh, that's when it kicked in. That's when I was like, no, hang on. I'm actually completely affected by this. And I didn't realize and so my brother and I are sitting there or like watching this movie at like fucking one in the morning or something at this point. And I remember this again it was on television screen. It was a, a really bad movie from the 90s called Wolf starring Jack Nicholson and James Spader about werewolves. And we're watching this movie and I'm trying to just kind of calm myself down. And our bedroom door just swings no. open. No, no. Bedroom no. door no. swings open, no. and all I can see is a, silu- not. a no. silhouette no, Dave. of no. a woman. You don't, Dave. This is true. Silhouette of a woman, and I'm like freaked out, Bart Simpson style. It's my sister. She's crying. She can't handle it. And oh. she says to my brother, You need to stay in the same room as me. Oh. And he was like, Come on, I'm not moving. And she's like, I'm serious. I can't sleep. I'm too, I'm too freaked out. And so he was like, Fine. And I went, No. Absolutely not. He's not going. And so my sister, my brother, and I slept in the same room. I slept on the floor and I got about one hour of sleep. Just so you wouldn't be by yourselves? 100%. I was was petrified. And I remember when morning broke, I only then felt a sense of relief. And why? Because the film completely fucks you over at the end of that movie. Uh, People were mad because they were like, you don't see the witch. There's nothing... That's good. It's, it's sometimes mm-hmm. the one of the feelings of horror and like scary movies, you see too much and then it's not scary. The whole point of that is you don't see what the thing looks like. It's... Uh, 100%. 100%. Your like, imagination is way scarier than anything than any movie or writer could come up with. Exactly. And which, again, like, you know, also helps us film out from a budgetary perspective if you want to get into that because this thing costs, you know, what was it like? I mean, 34 between 35000 and 60000 dollars to shoot, but it had a final cost of between two hundred thousand and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars after post production edits. It made almost two hundred and fifty million dollars world worldwide. Unheard of, you know, the all the stuff around it. And I remember Sky One aired one of the documentaries, like the fake documentaries. There was so much lore built in this thing straight away. And again, you know, as you're saying there, it's always scarier what the brain can conjure up and make you think what you've seen. For example, like I rewatched Seven recently, the amazing, you know, David Fincher never movie. Seen that. You've never seen Seven? No. Well, well, just for your sake and for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, I won't spoil something. But there is something very big that happens at the end of that movie. It's amazing, by the way. And I, my brain made me think that I saw something that actually isn't in the movie. When people went to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the nineteen seventies, which is again for me is like a five star perfect horror up there, up there, which no problem. Um, you think you see more violence than you have. Like, there's just a trick in it that makes your brain say, I saw someone get, like, absolutely torn limb from limb with a chainsaw. You didn't. It's not in the movie. There is violence, but it's not like that. It's very matter-of-fact. And that's just... That's the the weight of a horror film that actually matters. Like, like for example, you go see, like, any horror in the... I, I, I saw the new Saw movie the other day. It's fine. It's grand. It's actually better than your average Saw movie. But it's still people, like, you know cutting their flesh apart. And you're like, yeah, well, you know, it's just gore, isn't it, for the sake of it. There's no real weight to it, really. Mm. Blair Witch Project shows you none of that and has been haunting my brain since 1999. So can I have your experience, please, of seeing this movie in 2023? I, I, I just... They could never do it in the modern age, as we'll learn when we talk about the fucking terrible sequels Spoilers. slash reboots. I Spoilers mean, for your opinion on these. Yeah, <laughs> well, like... Well, we'll get into it, but I just think, you know, you've got the low-budget, low-res 
video footage, so you're not even really sure what you're seeing. You're like trying to examine the background and the foreground to see if you miss things. And you're not, but it's just like your brain playing playing tricks on you, as you said. You know, the effect of the static, stuff like that. It's, I was very afraid. Going, I watched it last night because I wanted it to be kind of fresh in my head before we recorded. And I watched it with my fiancé who's not into horror at all, but like will kind of willingly watch these things with me because he's like interested, but he doesn't really like it. And we were both like, that was freaky as shit. Like it yeah. was, I, it wasn't lost on me. Like I'm sure it probably is for some people, don't get me wrong, but I just, I love that feeling of tension and feeling unnerved. And it does this, and it's no surprise that it went on to influence so many others. You know what I mean? Yeah, for better and for worse. Yeah, and like, for sure. And also not to be all like, you know, not to be like old man Dave here, but like it coming out at a time when there wasn't smartphones, that adds to it because you're just like... No, no, but that's what I'm saying. You even see, did you see a movie called Spree? Yeah, no, I haven't. that's your man from Stranger Things, Yeah, isn't it? not really a horror, but like Comedy, slasher, horror, but yeah. it kind of all takes place. It's someone going live. He's going live and he's murdering people, His essentially. He's like an Uber driver. Yeah, yeah. It's a terrible fucking movie anyway, to be <laughs> completely honest. I remember I saw it kind of during the pandemic and I was like, this is brilliant because I wasn't allowed outside. And then it was like, executive produced by Drake. I was like, what? actually, yeah. <laughs> Drake and Future. Well, definitely Drake, maybe not Future. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's why that movie was bad. Anyway, you lose some of that with the, It feels... I don't, a tech person will probably be able to explain it better. But there's something about with the modern phones and stuff, I just don't think it translates as well. I know there's one example. Yeah. Like everyone looks too nice. There is one example of a horror that I think is decent, but I haven't seen it where they're all in like a group chat or something. And that's how the murder, and that's kind of. Is it? I, maybe they're actually pretty good like, yeah I think it's that one where yeah. like they maybe pulled it off there I haven't seen it so I don't really know there's two of those movies they're actually decent like I kind of wish we get more of those that's that kind of screen life gimmick where it looks like you're watching on a laptop screen those films weirdly enough were actually better watched on a laptop screen as opposed to the big yeah. screen but the Fire Witch thing I mean like you know even like you're one of the three lead actors I think, I think it was Joshua Leonard like he um, well, I think one of the reasons why he was cast is because he could work a camera and they were like, well, we need you to haul this fucking giant camera around. Mm. So, and like, yeah, listen, like, does it look terrible? Sure. But of course it does. It was filmed on rudimentary, you know, equipment back in 99 by people who weren't professionals. They were actors who answered an audition. And the way as well, for anyone who doesn't know about the making of, I mean, like the way it was, there wasn't so much, there was a basic of basic script, like kind of like, here are your bullet points, you know, we're going to go here today. Yeah, I didn't realize there's a lot of improv in this, which it makes it, yeah. sense when you read it after, but yeah. yeah. So like, basically like you'd have a situation where like, they knew that the directors would do things that they would like, you know, elevate the experience or something or like leave them the directors would like leave notes for them to be like you know okay today Josh your character is like mad at Heather you know you're paranoid about something off you go or they would also do stuff like for example like they would go to bed in their tents and then the directors would leave piles of rocks outside their you know strategically arranged piles of rocks outside the tents and that would freak them out and that's in the movie and the stick figures and stuff and like they would like be outside like shaking the tents and screaming and like I, I, legend has it that when you know Heather runs out and she's running off and something's after them that she didn't know what that was and that that's genuine terror that she's experiencing and you know how do you make a pile of rocks scary? How do you make a fucking stick bundle scary? But this thing actually does mm. and then you get the house at the end with the handprints on the wall and the, the last bit of the movie with the guy in the corner and the camera just drops and Awful. like Awful. It's genuinely like like if it's if it's two in the morning now and I'm you know fucking late thirties over here. Uh, if I think about the Blair Witch Project or the original Ring film and it's two in the morning, then I have to look at my phone or something. I I, I can't. My brain just like is too freaked out by it. The, like the, the weight of these films has genuinely kind of persisted. And you mentioned earlier on like you know parodies. Yeah, like this film was ripe for parody. 
And it sucks as well because, you know, the, if you look at the lead actor of the three, Heather Donahue, um, she, like, did the talk show circuit. We have a clip. And then, and then when they shot it, give me, it was a weird way of shooting it. It was an incredibly but, weird way of shooting it. Because you were seriously screaming and crying. Yeah. This was not acting. No, no. Well, here's here's the deal. What do you think acting is, Craig? Well, that's... this is an important question that comes up a lot as regards right. this movie. And I. But have to sometimes tell you... you you were not you were not. Sometimes they will think of something from their childhood that would make them scream or cry. You were actually experiencing something that was freaking you out. Well, like any time that you have a nice well put together fictional circumstance it makes it easier for you to believe in right. but however you know if i woke up one morning and there was a pile of rocks outside my door you know i wouldn't really be crying right, about it right, you right. know you do have to sort of so they didn't they just give it that little right, extra push right you know? they, they did not tell you what they were going to do no we always knew they were going to do something we just never knew exactly what that thing right. was going to be it was crazy. So, you know, like she was, you know, looking for more work and wanted to be a movie star, as they all did. But because there was that weird disconnect that people thought that she was really dead, you know, no one really took it seriously. And she didn't like she did some stuff, but nothing major. Joshua Leonard ha has had a bit more of a career. He's actually married to Alison Pill, who people might know from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World in the newsroom. The best show of all time. <laughs> and then the other guy, I think, just dropped it and became like a teacher or something. But like... It didn't take off for them, and they were chewed up by the machine. And Heather Don, who in particular got the got the worst of it, and why? Because she was the poster girl, because she is the big scene where she cries down the lens, and because let's be fair, she's the woman mm. out, out of the out of the group. They just picked her because it, it, it was like uh, for a time it was this is the greatest thing of all time, and then it was fuck Blair Witch, we're sick of this. Let's have fun with it. Let's yeah. let, let's mock it. And you know, if you look at the years since, you know. Heather Donahue has gotten into like cannabis growing and she has left good the entertainment. Yeah, like, good for her. She's left the entertainment industry completely. She's changed her name. I think she might have practiced Wicca for a while. Um, and she's given interviews about the experience and how it really kind of fucked her up and how she was treated poorly by the, the Hollywood machine. Um, and there was even something as recent as this year, um, slash last year, when Kate Blanchett's film Tar came out, which is a fantastic film. Have you seen it? I still haven't seen it. It's great. I think you'll love it. But there's a moment in I have this... a long plane journey coming up, so I'm probably going to watch it then, I think. I think it'd be good for a plane. Um, they There's a moment in the movie, and I'm shame on me for not picking this out at the time. And kudos to our friend Michael Pope, formerly of the Galaxy, who did notice this at the time. There's a moment in Tar when Kate Blanchett goes for a run in a park, and she's in Berlin, and it's this beautiful low lighting, and she hears a woman screaming in the distance, and there's like sirens going off and so forth, and there's this woman screaming over and over again, and she kind of stops, and she's like looking around, she's freaked out by it, and it sounds like this woman is in great distress. It's the audio of Heather from the Blair Witch Project. Oh my God! I know. And someone put it up on YouTube, being like, this is the fucking audio from Blair Witch Project, and Heather Donahue replied to it, and basically said, like, thank you for doing this and for, like, keeping this thing alive. And, you know, unfortunately for me, it wasn't a great experience. But, you know, like, I really do appreciate that there's people out there who, you know, this is a big deal for them. Yeah. And it's nice, to blah, blah, blah. So just a weird, like, like there you go. Like, its legacy continues, you know, mm. to, the, to this day. But it, but it was such a weird experience. for Any of the directors went on to make a couple of horror movies, nothing major. Nothing of note, though. That's no. uh, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Yeah, nothing huge there. I think they've all been kept busy but this was the phenomenon and the weird thing is that it kind of cannibalized itself and of course you know uh what did hollywood want to do they wanted a sequel sequel baby and the next possible. year like just straight and no kissing we are not waiting around we need to capitalize on this right now and it involves none of the original cast and the trailer if i may sounds a bit like this last summer after the crowds left 
five strangers returned to the woods to uncover the truth. But one of them has a secret that will unlock the curse. You know, if you don't believe in the Blair Witch, then why the hell did you bother to come? I thought the movie was cool. This fall, just in time for Halloween, the witch is back. October 27th, forget everything you've heard. Forget everything you've seen. Because this time, the truth is scarier than fiction. A brutal murder in the Black Hills discovered today. In the past year, the Black Hills area has been overrun with movie fans wanting to get a glimpse of where the Blair Witch Project was filmed. So, that is the trailer for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Have you ever heard anything more 2000s in your life? (laughs) It came out in October 27, 2000. So, yeah, pretty much just a year or so after the first one, uh, which, you know, would hint at maybe what you might call a rushed production. And it was. Do you know who directed this? Uh, I have it here, but I'm not hugely familiar with what he does. So it's Joe Berlinger. Joe Berlinger. Joe Berlinger. Berlinger. Uh, he is a mostly documentarian, okay. um, but he has made a couple of feature films, including this one. Uh, as a matter of fact, he made uh, the Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie. I was about to say extremely loud and incredibly soft. Extremely, <laughs> it's not that extremely it's wicked. Extremely wicked. Shockingly, shockingly evil, evil and vile. And vile. Yeah. I haven't seen that either, I'm going to be honest. Why? Well, I wasn't really interested in Well, he made in... that 19 years after he made this. In between this, he's made a bunch of documentaries. I mean, he made like the Par- Paradise Lost movies about the West Memphis Three, which were quite influential when their, where their case was concerned. Um, and also, and you know, anyone who listens to No Encore will be very happy that I get to say this out loud. She's the co-director. Yeah, shout out, by the way, to No Encore Music Podcast, which I host, which I have no on. You plug at the end. Get, get on with this, Henry. <laughs> Uh, he co-directed Metallica, some kind of monster, the greatest documentary of all time. I can't believe we're still talking about it. He, di- <laughs> he directed it. There so, you go. It always comes back around, full circle. Kind of a gun for hire in this situation, because again, this was a studio trying to just cash in. And in fairness, of course, like that makes perfect sense. This thing made so much fucking money the first time around. We got to do it again. But there was no, like there was competing scripts and there was all kinds of studio interference. And as you would have inferred there from the trailer, and can we just talk about the sadly missed trailer voice man? Yeah. R.I.P. What a job that'd be. I think he is literally dead, but it's certainly... trailers are so bad now. You get a mini trailer at the start for some reason, and then that, the rest yeah. of the trailer... Bring back a man just saying things. <laughs> like, I love that, you know, forget everything you know. <laughs> and just like, you know... It's so good. One year later. It's all that kind of stuff. And you, but you can tell it straight away. Like, like immediately you're like, wait a minute, that's not what we should be doing. They're setting up an entirely different movie. Completely. Yeah. You've killed everything about the first film that made it good. That made it great. And in fairness, like, you know, as you heard someone say in the trailer there, they were like, oh, I was a fan of, why are you here? I was a fan of the movie. So this is a movie in which the Blair Witch Project exists as a piece of media. That's not the worst idea of all time. You know, this is all about, you know, fans and fans who come to the town and ruin the locals and annoyed them, like ruin their lives and annoyed them and conspiracy theories about Blair Witch being real. And like that really happened. As we said, people literally thought it was real. And some people like, you know, like this is almost the birth of true crime podcasts in a way Mm. back then for the time. But 
it doesn't quite translate. And because the studio forced the director to hack it apart bit by bit and reassemble it in different ways, uh, the film, the finished narrative doesn't even really make any sense. Like it. <laughs> so. Yeah. So this is very hard to find online. Impossible to find. Impossible online. to find online. Even your notable, like where you would usually be able to get things that you can't find. Yeah. You can't get it there either. No. You were able to get me a link, but as you did flag as well, the stream freezes every 30 seconds, it's probably less. The film is 90 minutes long. I think it took me three hours to watch it recently when I yeah. went back to watch it. And full disclosure, I was unable to finish it. But what I did see, wasn't a huge fan, found it very hard to follow it from a narrative perspective. I thought the performances were tonally very strange. I don't think it knew what it wanted to be. But I do think there is a premise there, but they just didn't... They didn't get there at all with whatever they were trying to do. No, and like the director, Joe Berlinger, like he tried, you know, like there's a quote here where he says, I thought a more interesting way of connecting Blair Witch 2 to the documentary tradition would be to try and make a movie that tells a story like a good documentary does, infused with social commentary because that's what a documentary is. It's not about shaking the camera and it's about telling a story that's social commentary embedded within it. And like the idea again of like, the, let, let's look at the media phenomenon that this film caused and how people reacted to it. There's something in there. Maybe just make a documentary instead of making this because the studio wanted a horror movie and it's flat. It doesn't look good. It's filmed with conventional techniques. It's not following the same form as the first one uh, you have a bunch of broadly drawn characters you know there's the mental patient there's the goth girl there's the Wiccan there's the couple one of whom is a skeptic one of whom is more of a believer they're all deliberate archetypes and they all find themselves together on this kind of Blair Witch hunt and of course uh, wouldn't you know it's supernatural things occur and they turn on each other and it's a big murder mystery but it's just it's so far removed from the original there's almost no DNA whatsoever yeah like okay what is the plot then? Well, it is that. It is like you got these five characters who come together to, they. one of them runs a Blair Witch tour, yeah. which, which would have been real because like, you know, you have like, there wouldn't be people being like grifting for money, being like, I'll take you out to where the film was, was shot or where Heather went missing or something. And, you know, people coming from around the world, like there's actually a moment where like the guy, the main guy in this uh, runs into like a competing tour and they have people with them from like Japan and Germany who've come all this way to see the Blair Witch or to try and find the Blair Witch. Um, So that's the plot. The plot is that these five people kind of come together and hang out in the woods. Um, Overnight, some weird shit starts to happen. And uh, it turns out that they conducted, spoilers for this movie that you can't find online, uh, they conducted a big murder spree together. And when they see all the footage back, it's like them killing people. And they're like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And it's, oh, it's the witch, I suppose. You don't see the witch either. There's a moment where you see kind of like this kind of ghostly girl that people thought it was the Blair Witch. It's not. um, It's not frightening. No. What I did watch, I did not find scary it's just really boring like. whatsoever even there's there's one particular scene where it's the witch and your man who's in the couple and they're kind of it seems like they're going to start having sex and she like rips his flesh and stuff and then suddenly they're oh, back yeah. the it's just very that's like Nightmare on Street kind of stuff but yeah, like it but can't like, decide what it wants to be this is the problem yeah it has none of the power or the weight of the original movie at all it's mm. just you know it doesn't look great but it's better shot than the original like, like you know you're watching a movie uh, and even like you know to give you an example of it, the production the way it was kind of stymied um, the opening kind of crawl, the opening kind of credits is like, you know, like a drone shotgun over a forest or whatever. And the director wanted the song to be Witchcraft by Frank Sinatra. This kind of playful, you know, little kind of tongue in cheek, we're going to have a wry look at this type thing. But the studio was like, nope, not edgy enough. It's like, 
Death Metal or something. It's like, Marilyn Manson. Oh no! It's Disposable Teens oh, by Marilyn Manson. No. And it's like or the fight song. And, uh, I should know this because I used to be obsessed with Marilyn Manson. But it's just like Blair Witch Two, Bucket. It's yeah, just yeah. like, and that's what this movie is. It's like, so like, on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And like, it's just, it's not a fun time. It's not a fun hang. Like, and there's nothing to it. It's very like. You know, even having that lore, and like we all wanted more of this. We mm-hmm. all wanted so much more. And like this movie made some money. You know, and it cost fifteen million dollars. And again, you're like the first movie cost under hundred grand. Why does this cost fifteen million dollars? What's the point? It made a little bit under fifty million dollars. Like it didn't do terrible. Cost fifteen million, and it looks like a TV show. And I don't yeah. say that disparagingly, but it looks like a really draw, like long episode of Buffy or something. No, and again, yeah. don't mean that as shaded to Buffy, but it's like, this is supposed to be a feature film. You know no, what I mean? No, like, that is perfectly spot on. It looks like TV. And it looks like, you know, 2000 era TV. Yeah. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, some people, there is, uh, there are truthers out there, you know, who are like, actually, it's a very intelligent horror film with them. Cutting such commentary about our own, you know. We don't, don't need to retroactively look at everything. And that's, and I know that, again, this is the entire premise of this podcast, but you know what? I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> no, we all are. But when I went back to watch it and I suffered through that stream, I, I very much was like, well, I'm going in with that mindset. You mm. know, I want to see, you know, the clever little touches. I want to see the commentary that has actually birth stand culture that didn't exist then but that's what this is this is like these people are obsessed and they're they're looking in the wrong places and they don't understand and you know blah 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 blah. and maybe like it's clever and there's some foreshadowing no it's just really boring Mm. and flat and it doesn't work and again it robs the original of its power now i'm not someone who thinks that you know if we get a terrible sequel to a movie that it it destroys the first film retroactively no absolutely not the thing stands on its own yeah but it's just such a horrible like weird companion piece that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever and it kind of killed it because mm. I mean there was some there was all these plans there was plans to do a television show uh, there was a couple of like video games like on the PC or something and like there was book tie-ins and whatever like when the first movie came out like it was a marketing minefield like there was just, you could get everything you know like it really was such a big deal and this just killed the the fun you know mm. like like nobody enjoyed this movie nobody was like oh no like i mean where wh- when do we get the third one as it turns out we don't get the third one for quite a while we get to that in just a second but like yeah there's just nothing to it i mean like it's just so weirdly empty and again, joyless it is joyless yeah and it is that thing as well where it's like at least make it scary at least make it frightening yeah and it, it, it just isn't. Yeah. Like, there's no punch to it whatsoever. No. And you can just see them kind of like... But again, I'm I'm kind of reticent to punch down too hard in it because the director had a had a plan and had a vision and it got totally fucked over by the studio. 
who were like, this needs to be here, this needs to be there. They changed, like, character arcs. They changed how it begins, how it ends. They're entirely, like, different sequences put in than what was originally envisioned, yeah. which I can imagine is very difficult and very frustrating. Like, how can you stand over a work like that and be like, this This is what I wanted when it's fundamentally It's not. incoherent. I mean, like, there's talk of, you know, like, you know, oh, release the release the Berlinger cut or whatever, but, like, that's not going to happen because... Mm. And look, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, what I would say, I think its legacy is the fact that at the time the people were still kind of hot for this. They were like, we want another one of these. And it's your classic case of a studio being like, that thing was such a massive success. We need to have the next one out immediately. And that can work sometimes. You look at Scream. Scream 2 came out a year later and it's good. Like I think Scream 2 is a Mm. pretty good horror sequel. It's not anywhere near as good as the first movie. Um, But this is the problem when something becomes popular and it goes back to the thing that you were saying earlier on about, you know, how in the first movie you don't see anything and that's why it's scary. If you look at, say, the first ever Hellraiser film with, you know, Pinhead on the cover, we all know what he looks like. He's in that movie for approximately five minutes, maybe ten. But then you get all these sequels in which he's quipping like Freddy Krueger. But that's, look at Halloween. Like, I, I think the original Halloween is a masterpiece. I think it's still very frightening. How many Halloween films have we had now and how many reboots have we had now? Too many. And they're just, like, but then again, like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you work, if, if Neil Jones is running a movie studio and you've got the rights to the Blair Witch Project and it made all that money... You'd be fired Obviously, on day yeah. two if you yeah. weren't like, well, where's my sequel, you know? But yeah. they didn't care enough to make a good movie. They wanted to just make bank. And it made a bit of money, but not enough. And then, I mean, I think, is that studio even around anymore? Like Artisan or whatever it was called? Not sure. Yeah, like, I mean, I wonder if Lionsgate bought it because Lionsgate is where the next movie comes from. But yeah. yeah, I mean, before we get to that one, though. So yeah, even like, even if you had a struggle to the end, you weren't experiencing anything on the level that you No, were, I yeah. thought it was so... Acquired by Lionsgate. Yeah. Yeah, Lionsgate bought out the rights eventually. I just thought it was so... St- like, the lead fella who's the psych patient patient who's leading the tour just seemed like he was playing everything for laughs, which was maybe a bit of the character. It's Jeffrey Donovan, young yeah. Jeffrey Donovan. Wait, what else is he in? He's in Sicario. He's got a small role in there. He's in, like, a bunch of TV stuff as well. I think uh, Burn Notice, some show I never watched before. He's, uh, he's on... Law and Order? Fargo. He was on Fargo, the second season, which okay. was good. He's got one of those faces that you'll see him and you're like, oh yeah, I know that yeah, guy. Yeah, and he does, but I don't know, none of it, I felt like none of the characters would have stayed together for that long, even despite the circumstances. And I think the only thing that was keeping them together was the actual events that happened. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like... They did the weird... Si- like, silly, but without the fun. And then I think without yeah. the fun, like, we're laughing at you, I'm not laughing with you. And I fundamentally wasn't scared. They did the weird gimmick, though, of, like, the lead actors use their real first names. Okay, But, like, yeah. it doesn't amount to anything, you Yeah, know? And I should say as well, like, even with all this said, and even with, you know, the kind of the 2000 aesthetic and Marilyn Manson over the opening credits and just the kind of the meta-commentary of it all, like, I should have loved this because it's basically, like, new metal Blair Witch. Mm. But it's not. It's just nothing. Mm. And it, it, it broke my heart, Vanilla. It did. Did you watch it upon release or yeah, later on? on video, I think, which is kind of curious because I was like, why didn't I go see this? In the, in the, I, I can't recall seeing it in the cinema. Yeah. There's every possibility that it just didn't come to the cinema or I thought it looked bad. But I remember watching it on video. And even video had this weird kind of ahead of its time thing that didn't quite work where it was like, watch the film and look out for these clues. There are seven clues in this movie that spell out like a, a secret or something. And like, you know... I, at the end of the of the VHS, it shows you what it is. And it was something like, you know, it was like, here's like a pentagram shape here and here's this. And, you know, these spell out these letters. And like, it's meant to like, it's called the secret of S-River, which is the word reverse. Right. Reversed backwards. Okay. Isn't that clever? 
And there's some like payoff to it where it's like, you know, don't seek out the Blair Witch or like the, the dead children will get you or something. Okay. And you're kind of like, oh, well, I mean, like, you know, it doesn't. I'll take my chances. Yeah. But also you're just like, well, that's not really anything, but it's a nice, again, like, you know, it's a, like this film is ahead of its time and where because it has like those Easter eggs and it has like the whole idea of meta commentary about the whole fandom and how fandom is toxic and, you know, years ahead of its time in that regard. And yet it's a one star atrocious piece of shit. So let's so move to 2016, shall we? It took 16 years. 16. To get not this. as bad. Blair Witch. Blair Witch. 2016, not as bad. Yeah, let's hit that trailer. What is that? The guy who uploaded this video said it was from a tape he found in the Black Hills woods. I think that might be my sister. You really think your sister could still be out there after all these years? If there is any chance that I could find out what happened to her, I need to try. Legend said there's been a curse on these woods. Do you believe in the stories about the Blair Witch? There was hype for this, obviously from, you know, corners of the internet and myself. Yeah. I just feel like I heard nothing about this. Which is really interesting because they completely fucked up the marketing for this. Okay. Um, Which is ironic seeing as the first one was such a marketing success. Yeah. And it's like they they had a cute idea and then they messed it up. So basically like... The writer and director behind this, like, it really excited me when I found out that they were doing it because, like, Adam Wingard is the director and Simon Barrett is the writer. Um, they've done a bunch of kind of independent horror stuff, but most prominently, at least certainly for me anyway, they made a film called You're Next, which is very good, and they made a film called The Guest with Dan Stevens, which is one of my favorite films of the last 10 years. It's a really fun, kind of dark 80s throwback um, action drama, I suppose, would be one way of misdescribing it. But it's about like Dan Stevens plays this kind of um, war veteran who comes home to a family and he says, you know, I served with your son. He died. He wanted me to seek you out when I came home and let you know that I'm going to watch over you or something. And there's something off about him. And it's just, it it goes from there and it's just very knowing and quite sharp. And Dan Stevens is great in it. And it's just a really, really good fucking movie. And when I found out that these guys were doing a Blair Witch reboot next or whatever, I was like, well, that's, you couldn't pick better people to do it. Mm. Turns out I was wrong. Um, but the way this kind of came about was it was shrouded in mystery. 
Um, initially, it was announced that Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett were bringing out a horror film called The Woods. And there was a teaser trailer for The Woods and, you know, there was a poster for The Woods with The Woods written on it. And there was a screening at a Comic-Con, like a preview screening ahead of time for the people who were there. And they went to see The Woods and they, they're walking through the lobby and there's posters and everywhere and standees and, you know, whatever for The Woods. And they go see this movie and they realize when they sit down and five minutes in or less, uh, they realize, holy shit, we're watching a secret Blair Witch movie. No one knew that this was being filmed. And right now, and like in fairness, like, you know, you probably would be like, oh my God, this is what an incredible surprise. Then they watch the movie and when they come back out into the lobby, all the posters for the woods now say Blair Witch. And so it's like, that's a good story. You know, internet was set ablaze yeah. and it was like, what a, you know, but but, uh, but if you really kind of break that down for a second, you're like, well, you know, you revealed that it's about the Blair Witch in the first minute of the movie. So why go to all the trouble for all the people walking into the movie, you know, to fool them to that level when, yeah. you, when you give the game away straight away? And as it turns out, um, the plot of this is almost identical to the 1999 one. Yeah. So you have seen this. Yes. So this follows a character called James Donahue, who is meant to be the brother of Heather from the first one. Uh, he's like this kind of well-meaning paramedic type who enlists his friends, including his friend Lisa, who is making a documentary about the Blair Witch and this, the hunt for Heather. And essentially, they see a piece of footage that they think is Heather in the house that she disappeared in, and they're going to go out there and try and get her back. But yeah, then, he is like a news alert set up for her on his phone, so it just pings off one day that it's this yeah. video attached to the scene. So he's like, okay, I need to investigate You see this. the figure of a woman like reflected in glass or something or whatever, and it's, he's like, that's her, that's definitely her. And, you know, it's like, well, could it? how could it be? And so him and a bunch of friends go out to the woods to try and find the Blair Witch, and they enlist a kind of a couple of local weirdos, as they call. And so you got, you got bigger, you know, you got, you got like a bigger amount of people classic horror movie sequel thing bigger body count um and again you know like like it's mostly like even the way it's filmed like they're like oh we we have drone cameras now and we can do a bit of trickery there and but it's a bit too clean and a bit too polished but i went in with a big like you know i think this is gonna i, I think this is gonna do it i think they're finally gonna get it back you know mm. it's not it, it can't possibly be as good as the first movie there's just no way but i think they're gonna honor it and these guys know what they're doing and the, the premise is kind of interesting it's a direct sequel to the first one it's bringing back those characters maybe we'll see heather again and it's just not very good and it's not scary and uh how was your experience with this Kind of the same. I did. I did find some parts of it scary. I think some. The ending parts, is okay. Yeah, in the house, but again, I think it's kind of too late. And as you said, you're kind of getting a play by play, or like direct copy of the first one. And yes. the first one did it so well that it doesn't matter how many drones or whatever you throw in, it's never gonna work the same way. And I suppose I found like this is a nitpicky thing, but I found like the the camera stuff a bit annoying. That it was like. Not everyone was shooting at all times, but they were the camera angles would still be like you'd be getting a certain person's POV as if it was they were looking at a camera. You know, what I mean? they were these, talking to someone. Yeah, they have I these cameras like that, that are like attached to their heads or something yeah, as well. Which like, so. I I guess, and maybe if they'd done it another way, it would have taken me out even more. But I just felt even that kind of took me out a small bit. I'm glad that they didn't because I was really afraid that the, it was where it was going that we were going to get a full vision of. The witch, yeah, or like Heather or whoever, and it seemed like they were really hinting towards that. And I'm glad they inevitably didn't because I was like, no, I like kind of the, the scariest bits for me is when there's that figure kind of running around the house when Lisa has gone upstairs to look for your man. 
whose name yeah, I can't remember. But um, James is his name. James is his name. Yeah. Uh, you see the like like as the film goes on, you see because again your anticipation, much like with the second one, is are we finally going to see the Blair Witch? You know, are, are they finally going to show it and how are they going to do it and kind of live up to the hype? The answer, of course, is no. But like. There is a moment where, like, you you see this kind of weird, like, Slenderman-esque, you know, giant monster, like, peer out from a tree for, like, a, a split second. And you're like, what was that? Um, and, it, of course, if you go back and you freeze frame it, it looks pretty lame. Um, there's moments where, like, their tents shoot up into the air, you know, as, as yeah. if pulled up by, by God himself. Yeah. Um, and there's just kind of weird body horror here and there. Like, they, they tried with some stuff, but it's not quite there. But, yeah, when it gets to the house, and, again, like, it, it follows the, the basic structure beat for beat. They find weird shit. They have rows with each other. Uh, they One of them goes missing. They find a house, and it's the house. And, of course, you know, you have, like, the whole thing where she's like, that's not your sister it can't possibly be and like that's kind of effective and you know you're like scary house in the middle of the woods let's do it and they did a decent job production design wise in the house there is a moment where the character of Lisa is crawling in this kind of you know underground cave thing and it's closing in on her it's very claustrophobic and that's kind of tough to watch um, and yeah you get that weird moment where the house basically it's as if the house comes to life or something and it's you know there's a kind of like weird lights coming through the, the slats in the windows and there's a thing for like a second if you look at it that kind of is lurching down the corridor towards somebody and again, if you go back and you pause it, it's just this kind of very elongated, monstrous thing, which again, you know, everyone's like, it's the Blair Witch. But then the filmmaker's like, no, actually, it's an agent of the Blair Witch who has been, and I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Like, yeah, okay, but I hate the over-explanation, but I'm also glad that it's not the Blair Witch because that's not what the fucking Blair Witch, like, no. in, in my mind anyway, it's not like. What does the Blair Witch look like in your mind? How a fabulous fucking is she? Wh- woman in white, like, yeah. mashed in face, you know? Mashed in face. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just... I think it's scarier if she looks, like, normal. If she, but if, that, Yeah, but that's the whole thing, like, that it's that there's a human element to it. Like, beautiful, beautiful. That like, it oh is just, God. yeah, that it is just Heather kind of milling around and time has not been kind to her. She's ravaged. That's, like, that's another aspect that, that they throw into this, which, again, you're like, not a bad idea, guys. Maybe you fleshed it out better. Because there's a moment where they have a row with some people who then storm off. They're, like, they... The, the local that they hire revealed that they've been kind of planting stuff to try and, you know, just whatever. To convince them to stay because there is yeah. something happening and they're the they're ones who had initially like. found the footage that he got the Google alert and for. And then he's like, they've been lying the whole time. I'm, I'm heartbroken. We've been made fools Which, of. Which, fair, what a stupid fucking plan on their yeah. part. Like, but they're Jesus meant to be Christ. obsessive fans who just, just want people to listen to them because they're conspiracy theorists, essentially. Yeah. So they get exiled and then there's a moment where they come back and when they come back, you know, they're like, we've been walking around the woods for like two weeks or something. And they're like, what? No, it's only been like two hours. And they're like, no, we've been out here for like days. And I'm like, and it never, like, it's night all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, they're, they're, they're good ideas. You know, they're not bad ideas. Yeah, she sets the alarm for 7 a.m. to like wake up and leave when it's bright. And then they wake up and it's not bright at all. Yeah, like, like it's not without, it's like, it, as you say, it's much better than the second one because things actually happen and there is a sense of danger and like, you know, you're out in the woods again and blah, 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 blah. But it's all a bit too polished and pristine and clean and you never, never feel any real sense of danger and the characters aren't there. They didn't do enough of the body horror stuff either. I thought that was leading to someone else. And then it's just like, okay, so then she climbs up after the drone and falls out of the tree. And okay. before that, she pulls like a big like centipede out of her leg or something. Yeah, yeah, but like that's that's it. Like that's yeah. a- Ashley is the character. Corbin Reed is the actor. Yeah, it's it's all a bit perfunctory is the problem. I mean, like, and you are like, it is very much like when I'm going to get to the fireworks factory, that being the house. The house stuff is, is not bad. Like it, it's fine. It's actually okay. It just about gets you over the line 
But it just has the same ending, you know, like, don't turn around, they turn around, that's the end of the movie, and it's like, okay. Well, I was glad, because I thought they were going to give Lisa some fucking get-out-of-jail-free card, because she was looking through the viewfinder, and I was like... That was good. If she's someone... That, yeah, that is good, but I was like, if she gets away, I'm going to be actively annoyed now, because how would that even... Do you know what I mean? I was actively annoyed, though, because she fell for it, because, like, the the whole thing is that, you know, she hears your man's voice, and we know that he's dead at this point, and she does the James, and, like, turns around, and, like, that's it. But it's like... And in fairness, listen, let's be fair here. If you or I were in this situation. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the first one to die, right? Like, do you think you could, like, like how, how would you do if we transported Fanula Jones into the Blair Witch uh, Horror House, either the first one or the magically rebuilt new one? I'd be so loud. You know what I mean? You'd like, scare I'd, the witch off. Yeah. No, as in, uh, this, the witch would know immediately where it would be so easy for the witch, like, or That's whatever true, entity. Yeah. There's the no agent. need for her parlour games. I'd, be, but I'd, be, I'd knock something off a, a, a nightstand. I'd be like, whoops, sorry, like a cat, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, it's just like it's the simple stuff you know you go back to the first one it's like you know a scary house in the woods like who wants to be in one of those you know like it's fucking terrifying Mm. that's what works the haunted house element of this stuff works adding more lore it just doesn't quite work and like you know noble effort but it just it just I remember leaving the cinema being like well you know did I like it I wrote a review of it I remember like sending my review in and being like um, I think I like this, but I don't know. And my editor was like, well, this reads more like a two. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess it's not great, is it? Um, and I think people felt the same way. Like, I went to see it in Cineworld on, I think, the day it came out. And if I recall correctly, um, the only people in the cinema were me and a couple having sex a few... Um, what? Oh, yeah. Uh, a few seats away from me uh, in the back row. Oh, well, my God. Well, I, I didn't look for, like, you know penetration or anything but I mean at the same time there was definitely like um, something was happening oh yeah like some some full on straddling and, like, and in fairness I couldn't get mad at them because I was like yeah the movie's not really doing it yeah. like you know I mean, work away guys I can't really blame you you know you're yeah. to have better entertainment there so fair play and they weren't like kids like these were like grown adults and I'm just yeah. like really you're going to the Blair Witch like remake or reboot on a Friday at four, like, go anywhere else, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that was the scariest thing that happened to me that day. I was kind of freaked out when I got home because I was like, oh, I'm in this tight house on my own, these claustrophobic, you know, corridors and stuff. Especially and after that tunnel scene, yeah. The tunnel scene is pretty fucking, yeah. I mean, and it, but like, it didn't, it didn't set the box office on fire. Um, no, cost, like, they had, like, kind of decent uh, predictions for it and then kind of came out with something more conservative yeah. but they thought because there'd been a load of other movies that did well that year especially in the horror genre you've like Lights Out Conjuring 2 Purge Lectioneer The Shallows Don't Breathe did not do I think okay. yeah. it, uh, in the States anyway it was 9.7 million dollars in its opening weekend which was below it cost 5 million and the, I think the total overall that's made to date is like 45 million and again we're living in the time where like you need to make at least twice that because mm. of marketing and all that kind of stuff but I remember as well like the critics as well like really punched it apart they were like this sucks <laughs> like they did not like it at all um, what does it have on it has an average rating of 38% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 226 reviews yeah, now Rotten Tomatoes is not the be all and end all and in fact it's a system that you can absolutely game and it is corrupt if you ask me and there's been some recent stuff blah 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 blah. but I'll link a good podcast about that that explains that in the show notes oh great um, I look forward to hearing it but it is that thing of like you know it's a average benchmark and, you know, there is some truth to it. And people trust it as well as the problem. But, like, it, people didn't like this movie. And I remember um, I remember my, my, my big prevailing takeaway from this was I remember seeing Simon Barrett, the writer of the film, on Twitter. Uh, he put up a tweet and I tried to find the exact one, but I'm going to have to just paraphrase him. 
But he basically put up a tweet on the Monday after this came out and he goes, well, our little horror film didn't do too well at the box office this weekend, but at least we got overwhelmingly negative reviews. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's how you own it. That's the way to laugh at it. And they're going on to do a Godzilla sequel that's coming out at some point. They did did Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, I think they're doing another one of those. They are. Yeah, Um, that is uh, Godzilla Kong, the new empire. I haven't seen the other one, but like, yeah, they're fine. They also did like Death Note, which was not very good. Um, Simon Barrett made a horror film called Seance. It's okay. They'll they'll always be in the genre. They'll always work. Um, I felt bad for them because this was a huge swing and a big miss. Um, but I think what it proved though was is that the love is gone. Mm. I don't think people want more Blair Witch. They didn't turn out for it. Like, and I do think the marketing. I think the marketing kind of screwed them because I think that they had announced it well in advance. We are bringing back Blair Witch. We got these new horror guys on it. Look at their CV. We're going to do some weird different shit with it. The marketing, the stunt that they pulled at Comic-Con, it's a cute stunt. I think it actually adversely affected it. And then on top of that, when you actually got down to the film and you were like, well, this is just a less good remake. You didn't Mm. do enough new stuff with it. And again, you know, for the diehards, it was like, well, it was a moment in time. Like the first one is such a moment in time. And I'm out, and I'm fascinated by the fact that you found it genuinely frightening in 2022. I think that's great. Like, like that to me is like is such a relief to hear because – but then it is that weird thing where it's like you could show it to anybody back then or even now and it is that thing where one person sees one thing and one person sees another thing. Some people are just like, nothing happened, I was bored. You know, this is, this is the horror film that people have been banging on about for fucking 24 years or whatever it is now. This – this is nothing. And then you show it to someone else and they're like, I'm not going to sleep for a week. Mm. And that's the mark of a great horror film in a way is to be divisive but to have the ability to genuinely freak somebody out. Book of Shadows in 2000 and Blair Witch in 2016, I don't, I'm sure there are people out there who fight for these movies because there's ever, like, you know, you find any film out there, there's always someone being like, actually, I think, you know, fucking Wall Street 2 is a modern classic and it's like, okay. But like, I bet there's someone out there who is like, Goes to goes to bat for these movies as underappreciated, you know, really good actually movies. But I don't think they scared anybody. Mm. Like I just don't see how you're scared by this. Yeah. You know? Are there any good horror sequels off the top of your head? In general. In general, yeah, because it it's such a trend. Obviously, well, sequels are a big trend anyway, but they seem to be less successful than we'll say with the likes of like comedy action I'm, maybe that's a massive generalisation but I don't know Paranormal Activity all the ones after the first pretty shit mm. pretty sure most of the Conjuring sequels not that they were shit not as good as the first one think I said with the with the Annabelle series which is a spin off of the Conjuring anyway I think one of the sequels of Annabelle is supposed to be very good can't remember which one I know they're doing a sequel to Smile which I'm like that was good can we just maybe let that alone it made money though it made a lot yeah, of money oh no I know but yeah. and obviously The Exorcist I don't know if that's a sequel or just a hard reboot or whatever but like they're constantly doing it. Yeah, the new one's meant to be horrendous and that's part of it. Yeah, I've heard very bad or like middling things and I'm like, you don't want it to be middling. It's meant to be part of a trilogy as well it's done by the guys who did the Halloween reboots which weren't good either. Um, I mean, are there there good horror sequels? Yeah, it's hard. Like 28 weeks later, I think it's actually better than 28 days later. Like like I'm I'm that guy. I I, I think it is a better movie. Um, People say Aliens is better than Alien. It's more of an action movie. I disagree. I think the first one's great. Um, mm, I mean, you said Scream Two is good. Scream Two is good, yeah, but it's no. What about the others? Um, ooh, first one is a absolute classic. It's mm. still amazing. Two is fine. Three is not great. Four is better than it was when it came out. I do like the recent the reboots though, like like five and six. I think they, they're a lot of fun. Uh, they're playing to formula, you know, like they're not going to really 
you know, change your life, but they're a lot of fun. Actually, what I do think is good is I think both the one from this year, directed by an Irish director, and the one from 10 years ago, I think the Evil Dead reboots, remakes, sequels, whatever you want to call them. The one, yeah, the two that we got in the last 10 years, I think they're really solid. Like genuinely good movies that don't, you know, they have enough of a connection to the original without kind of pissing on it and they're kind of doing their own thing and they're good for gore hounds and they're good for just kind of tightly made horrors. Uh, yeah, you can't really go wrong with those. I think the new Evil Dead one is on Netflix now. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, sequels, it, it's a weird game. Like you're always going to find people who are just going to try and cash in for a quick book and you just lose the magic. But it, it's, you know, it's like we talked earlier on. It's like the more you see of the villain, the the killer, the whatever, the more you get, the the more it, it doesn't work. And But that's our, like, this is an entirely us problem because I want more Blair Witch. I want more Hellraiser. I want more Freddy Krueger. I want more Michael Myers. Then I get it. And I'm like, no, that, that, that's too much. No, though. actually, too much. Take that's back. too much. You showed me too much. Yeah. The scariest thing in horror is generally what is left to your imagination. Mm. And that's why the first Blair Witch movie works. And I contemplated rewatching it ahead of this podcast, but I thought, you know what? No, I did it a couple of years ago and it freaked me out just as much. And I remember I was sitting in my room in the house on my own during the pandemic, I think it was as well. So it was, you're extra kind of like, you know, boxed in. And I had my in-ear earphones in. You're for punishment. So my in-ear earphones in, curtains closed, pitch black, no one else in the house. And I looked over my shoulder about eight or nine times. I'm a grown man. No, yeah. absolutely not. So there you go. Blair Witch, yeah, it's uh, it's still great. Don't bother with the sequels unless you're a completionist. But if you've never seen the Blair Witch Project, uh, seek it out, even if just so you can disagree with us, you know? Absolutely. There is another one in development, apparently. Film. April 2022, Lionsgate announced a new film as a reboot of the series to be in development. So watch this space. I mean, I'm there day one. Like, this is the problem, you You'll know? you there. Like, yeah, and like, if, they, if, if they're, like, how would you do it? But that, that was a question I was going to put to you. I, honestly, I don't really know. Especially don't. having just watched the most recent one. I'm like, I was how say, do you do it for this age? I was going to say don't cast name actors, but they never really have done that, even when they did. No, to be honest, know, even with this not most recent actors. reboot, none of them are... Well, sorry, they're all working actors. I'm yeah. so mean when I talk about The only one things. I know from like the most recent one is like Callie Hernandez, who was in uh, Alien Covenant and like that Nicholas Winding Refn Amazon show that nobody watched, which is actually quite Valerie good. Curry, who plays Talia in it, she's in The Boys at the minute. Oh, is she? In, she was in The Following, which was that terrible... Uh, she was in um, Kevin Bacon show. Detroit Become Human. Oh my God. Oh yeah, she game. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, yeah her likeness is in, is in that game. Um, I don't know how you do it because it's tainted by the very fact that you go back to the well you know like I mean you just can't the first one was such a moment in time and in pop culture and in horror it stands alone it's even like you know, you, look, look, you look at Ring like you know the Japanese Ring or even the American remake the American remake is decent but like the more you get of those it's like well you know like it's so self-contained it's never like it's 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 like a, you know a joke is never as funny the second time you hear it like a great horror film is never as scary. well I'm, I'm contradicting myself now because I do think Blair which still has the ability to freak me out but it was just such a, it's a standalone thing it had the power it had the magic and you know like I don't know about you but like you, you throw on a movie and you know in ten minutes if you're gonna like the movie or not sometimes because you just the way it's filmed or the you just the actors or some of the tone most modern horrors I think don't have that and also as well. If we do go back to a Blair Witch thing, for the love of God, can we please not make it about trauma? This mm. fucking endless trend of every horror film since The Babadook being actually about trauma and, and about grief. 
like I've had enough of it. Mm. It's like fine, admirable, and horror has always been an allegory for something else. That's fine, but my god, <laughs> this run of every elevate quote unquote elevate horror film actually secret being about grief. I'm like, how are we? Like, no wonder this generation's fucked. You know, mm. that's yeah. The Blair Witch. If she was, she'd be wagging her finger at this current this current generation. If you ask me, but no, um, they should do a TV show, do a ten episode Netflix show. Yeah, but I think of a, pr- a prequel story. Um, because you're not treading entirely new ground then I think the issue with the Blair like not the second one because that I don't you, how can you, you consider can, that canon in some ways you can divorce ways. that completely yeah, but yeah. like we okay you get to the house scary Mary we, and she's there we know there's something there you yeah. know what I mean I just think but I don't need like it, this is like you know like I don't need to see the scenes where a, a witch was ostracised by the town and you know it's like we know what happened like, like I, yeah I, fair I find prequels to be a bit kind of like yeah like come on we, we, we know the backstory but maybe, like, in fairness like if you do a TV show yeah fine you probably have to have two episodes about that or something but I just don't know I, mean, I, I don't think you can like just make it scary Hire horror directors who know how to make it scary and not just cheap jump scares. Like, like get atmosphere, spend money, practical effects. Um, don't do cheap gimmicks. Hire good actors. You know, work your ass off on the script. Keep it tight. Don't make it too long. Don't make it a fucking two-hour movie. Um, it's doomed to fail. Yeah. Like, no matter what happens, it's doomed to fail. But no matter what happens, they will get my money. So that's the last thing I have to say about it. And also, you know, I still genuinely freak myself out by thinking about The Blair Witch at night it Same. just it, it it really is it's just like it's it's it, it, two words in your head and I can't get back to sleep yeah and none of us will sleep tonight I think Dave thank you so much where could people find you and listen to you should they want to do so um, yeah, I host a music podcast called No Encore. It comes out on Fridays. We do a top five theme often. Uh, Fanula has been a guest on before. She will be a guest on again, I desperately hope. Uh, I'm on Instagram at HandReadyDave. I'm on Twitter as well, or whatever it's called now, but I don't really use it anywhere near as much because it sucks. Um, but yeah, get me on Instagram and or listen to No Encore, which is also an Instagram at No Encore Show. I'll leave all the links below. Dave, until next time, thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. Yep, let's hope we don't get cursed overnight and uh, perish horribly. Thank you. Stop, Dave. That pentagram on that door, I'm telling you. Like, what you're, is that? you're jinxing it now. <laughs> okay, thank you for knowing. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to Dave once again for joining me. I will leave all of his links in the show notes should you want to go listen to No Encore or check out any more of his stuff. Finally, top of the flaps. And you should know who it is. You're a flop. Top of the flops this week, Justin Timberlake. Oh my God. Now the NSYNC reunion is looking more transparent, perhaps. Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman and Me, came out this week. Lots of bombshells. We were talking about some of them that had been leaked in last week's episode. At the start of the episode, we've learned much more now with the full book being out. Justin does not come out well on this at all. For so many reasons. Brittany describes a moment in which Justin used a black scent around black artists. NSYNC was what people back then called So Pimp. They were white boys, but they loved hip-hop. NSYNC hung out with black artists. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. And she gives an example of Justin doing this, you know, he, she, he sees a guy on the street and he's wearing this medallion and it's very bejeweled and bedazzled and all that, and he 
gets all excited and says so loud, oh yeah, for shiz, for shiz, genuine, beyond. So flop behaviour for making Oscar award winner and Emmy award winner, Michelle Williams, because she's doing the audiobook, flop behaviour for making her read that, okay? Justin, get a life. Get a life! I talked last week about Spears sharing her experience of getting an abortion during their relationship, something which Justin was for, she was less so. Obviously because of how prominent they were as a couple at the time, they ended up not seeking specified treatment for it and she documents the pain that she suffered during the abortion. So while she was writhing in pain on the bathroom floor, JT's like, great idea, it's time for Wonderwall, I'm going to sit there, play music. Absolutely not. Absol- no guitar strumming in the world. I mean, no, like... We also learned that he dumped her via text. Was he the first man? Was he the original Joe Jonas? Is he the originator of the breakup text? Who knows? At this point, he was working on Justified, his debut solo album, and was going very standoffish. She was on the set for the video of Overprotected, the Dark Child remix, and she says, ultimately, he ended our relationship by text message. She'd go out the back and dance after receiving the message in between takes. Devastating devastating I mean I know there'd be an argument that when the Framing Britney Spears documentary came out that he did apologise and he apologised to Janet Jackson and I mean yes again if you're very much taking it at face value and coming from a point of forgiveness I'm sure that apology would be enough for people I've read other arguments and seen other arguments that it seems bizarre that he would lump the two women in together and each of them deserved something more specific in terms of obviously what they went through I mean it's just crazy how he was able to I don't know capitalize on her fame throughout his career and capitalize on the experience throughout his career I think there should also be consideration around the timing of the apology in the wake of the documentary like why it took that long why it was only prompted from backlash to the documentary you know what I mean even now I'm reading reports and again obviously pinch of salt because it's all sources 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 and it's not directly from the person's mouth but I'm reading reports that it's you know Justin's not happy with the book He's worried about being cancelled in inverted commas. I mean, surely that's not the position you should be taking when someone is coming from a position of sharing the hurt that they experienced and sharing her experience. And to be honest, from what I've read and listened to of the book, she gives a lot of grace to people who I'm not sure deserve it obviously particularly her father oh my god top the flaps jail jail for jamie spears beyond like one of the worst people alive she gives grace to justin and i think acknowledges her own wrongdoings so i mean from his perspective surely it's just like take the l accept what happened move on except that people are going to feel a way about you now I make this point extremely badly, right? I think 
in terms of being a good apology and actually wanting to right wrongs and stuff, I just think there needs to be an acceptance that this was Britney's experience and Justin has been allowed to speak about it through the press, through his music for a very, very, very long time. Britney was unable to because of all the reasons that she talks about in the book. And I think if it's something you were like truly, truly sorry about, your concern wouldn't lie with how you're being perceived, the future of your career, it would be, it would just be not that because you're centering yourself when the person who you've objectively harmed and is describing their experience and their, you know, everything they're struggling with, the concern should ultimately still lie there and the apology and then I suppose that's what would make it truer as opposed to automatically falling back on what about me-isms you know that's all kind of flat behavior to bring back NSYNC in a hopes to mask this I think who knows what the hell they're going to be doing now maybe the plan genuinely really was always we're going to do one troll song and then we're going to peace out we'll make a few more bob we'll get money to pay at the VMAs whatever I don't know maybe there's no grander wider plan if there is, I would imagine. That's down the swanee now, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. Anyway, that is all from me this week. Thank you so much for listening. We are back next week. We're covering a reboot that was not exactly a slam dunk. This has been Flat Culture. Our fearless editor is Adam Shanahan. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.